to another installment of Origins from Art of Dental Marketing. I'm Sean Hamill here with Dr. Nacho himself, Paul Goodman. Dr. Paul, thank you so much for coming on today. Honored to be here. Looking forward to talking. So uh, you and I, I mean, we've known each other for, for years, kind of off and on sporadically. And then COVID yeah. hit and, and we kind of all went into the clubhouse, the clubhouse sure. realms and back to the Facebook groups. And then coming back out of it, it seems like nachos is stronger than ever. It seems like you guys are always doing something new. So, you know, what, what is it What is it that you guys are, are most excited about right now? What's going on? I mean, what are, we really are is to utilize the pandemic as a inspiration, but also a cryspiration for crying on the inside. You know, I had this, you know, startup with Dental Nachos, started as a real business in 2018 at a business coach who helped me put a lot of things together. We were doing a lot of event-based stuff and we were doing some live streaming things. I was live streaming prior to the pandemic. I did think, Sean, I'm a kid of the 80s. You know, wouldn't it be cool if dentists could watch in like family ties or cheers on events? So we had this new dentist boost camp event, which we did about five of them before the pandemic, where we would put 30 dentists in a room. We would have content on clinical, business, practice management. I always have this guy here. Sean, to represent the message of how we help dentists reduce crying inside. This is what it feels like to cry inside as a dentist, the cry inside awesome. monster. You know, when patients say, uh, I don't, I just want, you know, people say this, Sean, I just want to let you know, I hate the dentist. And I say, I just want to let you know, you could have kept that in your head. I'm a real person too. So uh, that boost camp was really, you know, old and new because now we're having that again next week for practice owners where what we're excited about is to bring people from around the country here to Center City, Philadelphia for the three F's, food, fun, and friends. Uh, we have speakers from around the country come talk about clinical, business, marketing, practice management, HR, and then we live stream it to earth. We often offer this live stream for free or a very low cost so that anyone can learn. And what happened is kind of unintended consequences. Back in 2018, I did this for new dentist, Sean, and I got a nice message saying, hey, Paul, I'm not a new dentist. I'm seven years out of school, but I'm a mom. I had children. I feel bad. My skills have, you know, I haven't kept up with my skills. Thanks for producing this. I never been able to travel from Kansas to Philadelphia, but the fact that you made it online and you let, let me watch in, I really value that. So that's what we have coming up soon here in just a couple of weeks is a super dentist practice owner boost camp. That's awesome. You guys always have something going on. That's there's always the, the feeds are run amok with people talking about Thanks. different nachos things, but you know, here on Origins, obviously, we talk about how you got started. And I know you and I have been able to talk a little bit offline. Um, I, you started with your brother, right? You guys started together practicing, um, moved into now you guys own multiple practices, if I believe. Yeah. And then obviously, you've built a nachos empire, too. So start us, you know, when did you know that dentistry was something you wanted to pursue? How did well, you get into the field? I love this question because it all started with me realizing I was not going to play professional basketball. I'm holding this basketball. Unfortunately, One of my nice sponsors, Dental Warranty, made me a nacho basketball, which I like. So I really did want to play professional basketball growing up, like Dr. J, Philadelphia 76ers. I had an amazing dad and parent and, and mom. Sadly, they're both not alive anymore, but they were really just incredibly supportive, motivated me. But at some point, you know, they probably had to say, you're not going to play professional sports, Paul. So growing up as a kid of the 90s, I wanted to be a doctor, dentist, or lawyer. I always say George Clooney from ER, Tom Cruise uh, from A Few Good Men, or a dentist like my dad. My dad, what inspired me was not that he woke up every day and said, my dream is to do fillings, or I love root canals. He said, I like being my own boss. I like helping people. 
And he had the awesome story of always being able to go to my games, being able to coach them, having a lot of flexibility. So I was inspired by, I thought the dental field would allow me to help people, uh, run my own business, uh, do cool things. So I went to Penn Dental School. I graduated in 2002. I did a multiple year general practice residency at Albert Einstein in Philadelphia. That was transformative. I learned to place and restore implants. I worked as part of the hospital team. There is something I'd love to point out. I literally was just talking to a doctor today. When a medical, actually people get very mad about this, Sean. Dentists are doctors too, okay? I was talking to a physician today. I'm a dentist, I'm a doctor, they're a physician. No one yell, okay? So I was talking to a physician and what I shared, I talked about Dentist Job Connect and how we help dentists find jobs. Because I said to him, you know how you did this multiple year residency where you followed bigger, stronger doctors around and he got to follow around specialists who own practices and learn from them. Well, dentistry, you literally get pushed out of the nest into the real world without the skills you need to survive, thrive, and not cry, I call say. So this residency experience for me, and I'm going to speak there tomorrow night, I got to see how the hospital work. And the training is just so superior to dentistry. Yes, does medical insurance have problems? 100%. Is there corporate involvement in medicine coming to dentistry? Yes. But the way they are trained, Sean, and the way they can stand up for themselves, and the way they can learn from others is was just so awesome to me. And I really was an inspiration for nachos because dentists often feel threatened. Because I don't know, we go to school for four years, people tell us everything we do is wrong. They also make us compete against each other. And shockingly, no one likes each other when they get out. So I wanted to be part of making that better. So I joined my dad in private practice and his partner. We purchased additional dental practices. My brother came in. Uh, I don't know where you're from in, uh, on, in the U.S., but I was from New Jersey. I'm from New Jersey. And we had this Best Buy. I don't think Best Buy is in existence anymore. But Oh, no, it's still around. Yeah, it's still yeah, around. As, as a kid, oh, yeah, I'm glad I said, I would love that you could go and buy a CD. Kid could be buying a CD, computer, TV. It catered to everybody. So what I did was we brought specialists into our office, periodontist, endodontist, orthodontist, because I thought that if we made it more convenient, case acceptance would go up. So one of the things I did was I built this group practice with my dad and brother. And then uh, I was always lecturing. I was speaking on implants. I started a small study club in Philadelphia for people to get together. But it was in 2017 when I started my own Facebook group, Dental Nachos, that I was really able to bring that message to more people than just the people in my town. That's awesome. And, you know, fellows, fellow 80s kid, it was always, you know, John Paxson and Mark Price that thought, that yeah. made us think we had a shot back exactly. in the day. I wanted, yeah, Steve Kerr, you know, Steve, Steve Curry's around today. He, gosh, he coaches, who's he, he coaches Golden State, right? He coaches yeah. the Golden State, and he <clears throat> hit that big shot uh, when Michael passed it to him once and trusted him to knock down a big shot. And that was part of the, you know, I watched that whole Jordan story, the Jordan rules was great. Well, I had the dream too for a little bit and then seventh grade hit and it was like, hey man, basketball might not be your, your main choice of income for the future. Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 you, have to, you have to mesh your, your dreams hit reality and that's what happens. <laughs> so how did, I'm curious, like did you and your brother and your dad always talk about practicing together? I mean, how did, how did you guys get to the it's point a great question, you, know, you want to work We had a really great consultant who early on, I was, I was always somebody, I played a lot of sports. And maybe one of my messages is, you know, I think coaching is awesome. Asking for help is awesome. There's always someone smarter than me. There's always someone who does this more than me. You know, I'm a big fan of eating food. I'm not good at cooking food, but I've worked in restaurants my whole life. I mean, there are people who literally 
study their whole life just to make pasta. And like the chef who works at a diner could learn a lot from that chef who just makes pasta. So that story is that we had this consultant who came in when, who helped us early on in our career. And my goal was to just be able to create an environment that I wanted to go to work in. I loved working with my dad. The, the, the benefits outweighed any negatives. It does transform your relationship. When you don't work with your dad or brother, you don't talk about work with your dad and brother, right? But you also don't get to spend more time with them. So to me, you know, my dad passed away after working with him for 11 years. I always said, I just felt so lucky to do that. And my dad, you know, I hope I create this relationship with my children. He didn't understand why anybody would have a problem working with their, their family because he loved his family. And of course we had friction and we had challenges, but the good far outweighed any of the challenges that we had. So do you think, um, having your dad kind of in your corner, do you think it helps you avoid some of the missteps that most doctors make? Or do you guys think you still kind of went? It's interesting. My dad was such a very, when I, you know, spoke at, um, uh, you know, when he passed away, I said, he was just my, my last line was, you know, David Goodman, one of the most secure people, one of the most real people you will ever meet. And that's what my brother said about him. His ego was so in check that he said, Hey Paul, go learn at your GPR learn from someone who's not me. He did the Air Force. But then when he came to me, he when I came and worked with him, I was able to do more inside of his practice because he would transfer the trust to me. So there are pros to working with a family member, member and their challenges. Sometimes people have a lot of unrealistic expectations when you're the child of the dentist, right? It's not always easy with the team, but having someone who has your back, who you could just kind of walk over to their operatory and say, hey, can you come look at that? It really helps you get out of your comfort zone. So to me, that was just one of the best parts clinically that I don't know if I would have had that familiarity to say to a stranger, hey, I literally don't know what to do next year. This patient's crying. They don't. They said I'm too young to be their dentist, right, as an example of something that could happen. So I really um, love that I had that with him with the understanding. Some people go, oh, your dad's a dentist. You had everything so easy. I go. If you didn't live that world, there's also plenty of challenges. Like a lot of times people don't think of you as the boss when you were the young kid who used to come and clean up the leaves at age 10. And right, that, yeah. that's one of the other sides to the working with your family members that I help with some of my coaching because it's not all, it's not all easy street being working with your parents. So do you, did you guys sit around like the Thanksgiving table and argue about who the best dentist was? That was funny. It was interesting. I, that's a, a great uh, point. We all kind of, I did a lot with implants. He did a lot with restorative dentistry. Um, we really, I think what in any family business, there's so much team management that kind of dominated most of the discussions. I want to share that when people are like, oh, dentistry is a great profession and you should be grateful to be a dentist. I say yes and big Gary V fan. I'm a big both and and. Yeah, me too. Yes, yeah. and dentists have to put together this football team, Sean, of people with wildly different backgrounds to them in life, and it's very difficult, right? I always say I would love to hang out with some of my team members to go have nachos and a margarita, but if we're working on a group project, dentists have this, you know, you're, we're hiring people off the street and trying to train them to do things like dental assisting. It's mm -hmm. so difficult. Most other professions have streamlined schools. You're a nurse anesthetist. You're a registered nurse. Dentistry, it's very difficult outside of the dental hygienist to find real training in your support staff. And I believe that is the biggest challenge dentistry is facing right now. It's interesting. And 
so so do you think that encouragement from your dad or working in that dynamic of an environment and seeing things from a high level because he'd been a long time owner do you think it kind of gave you a head start in like seeing it from an entrepreneurial mindset i 100 percent. this is what i say no one knows what it's like to be a dentist until you're a dentist working on your patient doesn't matter if i'm with my dad or not but what i did know was the context of running a dental practice and i knew that my dad would get calls that the assistant's child was sick and he, she couldn't come into work. I knew that my dad would be looking for a new front desk person. Even in the eighties, that was a challenge. So I was conditioned to understand what it was like to run the small business of dentistry. I did not know what it was like to truly work on patients. I assisted him chair side and that gave me some understanding, but Seinfeld is a joke, Sean, when you're in the shower, you've got to solve every problem yourself, right? Like right. you can't call for help when you're in the shower, right? There's a, so when you're in your operatory, it's just you and your dental assistant. And it's very, very stressful. I did not know what that was really like until I became a dentist, but I did know financial challenges, marketing things, uh, going in on the weekends, stopping at the office because they dropped off uh, um, salt for the snow. So I think, I actually think if a lot of dentists saw that, Sean, they would choose not to become a dentist. And it doesn't mean that they hate teeth and it doesn't mean that they we're terrible at picking their career. I just don't think they know how many outside the operatory issues exist in dentistry. That's interesting. I've never really thought about that either. That's, yeah. that's really interesting stuff. So coming from, coming from that world, how did Nacho start? So this is kind of a two-part question. Number one is how did it start? Did, did you have any idea that it would turn into what it turned into? And then how did the whole I, when Nacho's I lecture, I do a lot of them. Um, when I lecture, I'm not a good drawer, but I bring to life a lot of things by um, writing on whiteboards and they call me like a Bob Ross and he used to say happy accident. So nachos is a happy accident. It was, it was February, 2017. I was sitting with my wife. Good ideas come from your wife. And I said, I'm posting a lot on these Facebook groups for dentists. I'm really enjoying it, but you know that I have strong opinions, right? I, I have, I like to share opinions. So I go, why don't I start my own? So I don't have to worry that, you know, um, I still contribute to others to this day. But I'm always very like, I don't know if a break word is polite, but like, I don't want to annoy other people too much. So I don't want to go into someone else's Facebook group and make it all about me. So I said, what should I call it? And I'm uh, at the time, I was a dental practice broker, a dentist, a speaker. Um, so that's like a bunch of different toppings like nachos. And the nachos are meant to be shared. They get messy. There's a comedian that said, uh, you'd fight your grandmother for the last nacho chip. So my wife was like, let's call it dental nachos. I do love Mexican food. Uh, we went last night. That's a true story. I was a um, chubby little kid. So when my parents said to me, hey, Paul, where do you want to go to eat? When we went to Christmas shopping, I always said Casa La Pita. And here's why. At Casa La Pita, when you sat down, they give you free chips and salsa. So you could have food while you were waiting for your food. So that was the origin story. I love Elvez in Philadelphia. I think nachos can be spicy. They have a lot of different toppings. They're meant to be shared. And then if I can say one other thing, and this is really, I think, something you would resonate with as a marketer, you can sit and eat the same plate of nachos with five people that you like. And one person can say, these are too spicy. One person can say, I think they're awesome. One person can say, I think they're too expensive. One person can say, ah, maybe I'll have them again. And one person say, I want to come back and have them every day. And it's the same plate, right? So what's wild to me about social media, you can, I can make the same post about a new dentist earning $250,000 a year and enjoying their life 
and found a great job. And some people would say, that inspires me, Paul. Thanks for doing it. And then some other dentists, usually the older ones say, why are you making people feel bad about money? And I'm just putting out a story. And I know this is it. So I think with dental nachos, it doesn't have to be for everybody. You know, I tell you, sometimes, you know, I do think it's kind of crazy. Sean, people go, I don't want to be part of your Facebook group anymore. It bothers me. I go, no problem. It's free. I'm not going to refund your membership. Just, just leave it. I, so, right. you know, I say to young dentists, yes, social media can be challenging. But when I was young, we had a, I had a Hotmail account and four friends. And if they didn't know the answer, I was out of luck. So the inspiration was not was to add fun to the dental world, talk about uncomfortable things with a foundation of respect. Look, I always say the three L's, learn, laugh and feel less alone. And I think that's what we've strived to do over the past five plus years. Yeah, I think you guys have definitely, definitely achieved that. I honestly thought that Nachos was much older. I didn't realize it was, it was such a young uh, group. So that's, that's really impressive. Thanks. Um, what would you say though, in doing all of these things, like obviously it probably wasn't an easy road the entire time. No. What would you say to a young dentist? And, and I ask this often with people on here because um, everything is kind of, you know, it's got a sales pitch to it for the most part. It's all sunshine and rainbows a lot of times. And many times that's not the case. And a lot of doctors do feel really alone and alienated, even in the yeah. big groups, like they don't want to share a problem or they, they don't want to. I think the anonymous post option in Facebook groups, whoever at Facebook came up with that is genius. Yeah. People can anonymously say things. But what are some of the, some of the hard parts of that you've overcome on your journey that you think really defined you as a as an entrepreneur and as a dentist? I love that question. I was thinking of some of this yesterday after we had spoken. And I even jotted it down for my, you know, like sayings, you know, sometimes your problem in life is you don't have enough money, which is bucks. We'll call it bucks. And then other times you don't have enough time, which is bandwidth. And I was having a real bandwidth challenge because I was still practicing three to four days a week. I was still lecturing and I will never forget this. It's always these stories. I said to my coach at my dental office, so my friend's mom, Carol, Carol Kiver, one of the most important people in my life. You know, I'm practicing right if my dad passed away, I said, Paul, I think you got too much going on. I said, Carol, you know, I, I'm selling practices. I'm coaching people. I'm doing the office. Like I brought my little P&L or my little QuickBooks thing where I think the whole thing brought in like a hundred grand. And she goes, oh, wow, Paul, that's a pretty good sign. You got to talk to my coach, Aldana Ambler. So Aldana Ambler, who I still know today is one of the most important people in my life. I was waiting for this consult call because she said, talk to Aldana. And I thought Aldana would tell me, you should stop doing something. See, when wives care about you, so I'm practicing as a dentist, I'm speaking at implants, I'm practice management consulting, I'm selling practices. And my wife would sometimes say, why don't you stop speaking and just sell practices and be a dentist? Why don't you just sell practices and speak? Why don't you just be a dentist and do implants? And something my brain says, they all kind of come together. But I was like hoping Aldana would tell me that I should stop doing something. So I was in an Uber on the way back from an implant course that I was teaching in my scrubs. I said, now's my call with Aldana. She's going to tell me the right answer. And I will never forget this, Sean. She said, you don't want to stop any of these things. She goes, you should have hired two full-time people six months ago. How are you doing this on your own? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm just doing it. But I'm basically on the verge. And I don't not say this lightly. So I'm on the verge of a meltdown, right? I was on a verge of just, I was on a verge of I don't know, being hospitalized for exhaustion. I just was, it was too much, right? I was burning the candle at both ends. So she inspired me to hire two full-time people and I did. And, you know, traditional startup. And now we have 10 full-time people working for Del Nachos and six for Dennis Job Connect. 
and I love what we do each day. Love working with my team. I only work one day a week clinically. Dentists are kind of funny, Sean. They go, um, Paul, it's very easy. You know, you're so lucky. You don't have to do so much dentistry anymore. I go, my customer is now the dentist. Would you want to work for you? They go, oh, good point. Good point. Right. Right. Um, absolutely. So I do do a one day a week clinical dentistry, uh, grow dental nachos and dentist job connect, uh, still do speaking, still go to conferences. And I just build a team around me. You know, I just, I'm one of, I have a lot of oppor super opportunities for improvement, Sean. Maybe people would call them super weaknesses like my wife, but my super strengths um, are mental flexibility, super mentally flexible and a really good delegator. Like I'm not a control freak. I'm not a micromanager. I'm not, it's gotta be my way or no way. I check in with people, I have systems, but I'm like, oh, who else could we hire to do this other thing? I'm sure we could train someone to do this other thing. I got three people who work in Pakistan through Edge Health, their sponsor, and I'm on their board. So I'm like, there's gotta be ways. So I'm, I'm a big fan of building teams to help you live your dreams. That's awesome. So I have to ask, is, is Nachos at the level you kind of envisioned it? Or are you like way past, no. way well, past your original way past goals? I, envisioned. I mean, I thought to be, to share more about the origin, I love this podcast topic. I was doing CE courses, Sean, you've seen them, right? You yeah. order chicken Parmesan, you hire a speaker and you get some people to sponsored around the edges, right? So I used to get a bank, give me 500 bucks. I would get a, oh, give me, so I'd get like 3000 bucks. I'd spend 2,900 bucks and I'd say, okay, we can have this event, right? But I at least understood how this works. So my first sponsor ever for this in a meaningful way was Kettenbach because when I had maybe 5,000 people, I said, wow, Kettenbach wants to sponsor this thing in an Italian restaurant. They maybe want to sponsor my free park. And what I think everybody should appreciate, me included as a customer, I've, I've decreased stress. I've made more money. I've made friends from other people's Facebook groups. The Facebook groups are free, right? So people can go on their phone that I'm picking up and learn for free. When I run a C event, people have to pay. So I actually create a payment barrier. Someone wants to come to my C event and meet sponsors to help them. They have to pay me. When people go to social media, they don't have to pay at all. So in some ways, I think that's just a hugely ethical and awesome business model. I would also like to add in, though, when stuff is free, you have to just be cautious about the validity of that's all the was, info. That's what I was thinking, too, some because some of the stuff that you know, toss around. Some people will say this to me, Sean. This happened early on in Nachos. A, a, a new dentist would DM me and be like, hey, I'm going to do this thing. And I'm like, this is a dumb thing. I'm like, don't do this thing. I go, who told you to do this thing? They go, well, I saw someone post on dental nachos. I go, well, they're just like you. They might not know what they're doing either. So I right. want to make sure I'm clear about that, that free creates awesome access without barriers. But you have to put on, I'm wearing a hat, your critical thinking cap a little bit and verify or look into some of the info before you just blindly trust it. I actually think that's just good advice for anything in life, but especially for social media. Yeah, I always thought everything on the internet was true, man. I didn't know right. that that's not how that worked. I didn't know that's not how that worked. Well, man, I appreciate you sharing. I had no idea that, again, I didn't know Nachos was so young. I also didn't know yeah. that you worked with your dad and your brother. I, well, I knew Thanks. that you worked with your brother. Um, most family dynamics either work really well or it's a train wreck, it seems like. 
uh, there's there's very few in-betweens. So that's really cool to see that it worked. And you and your brother still work together to this day? We still work together this day. We're going in this week. And, you know, I, I'll never not working with my brother. I wouldn't spend as much time with him, working with him, especially in the pandemic. One thing my dad said to get back to his realness, and, as, and he was such a stable, secure person. Every dentist goes, I had it tough too. But what he said was, at the end of his life, 41 years of practice, it's way harder to run a dental practice than when he started. He said to me and my brother, listen, patients were always frustrating. It was difficult to deal with your team, but the amount of things that you guys have to do from the, from the IT security to the website marketing to the things, he goes, it, running a dental practice, Sean, has become so complex. It's not a simple thing. I mean, Roger Levin, who I got to meet in person, I mean, most dental offices are bringing in more than a million dollars a year, right? So that means you're in charge of a million dollar operation. And those just tend to be complex operations. So people should have some, I don't know what the word is, empathy, but understanding that running a dental practice just has, I would say it's like running a circus, Sean, where the animals don't try to eat you, just slowly annoy you to death, right? <laughs> well, and I think too, I think dentists, obviously, you know, you guys, you guys put so much pressure on yourselves. There's not really a lot of self-empathy that goes on to you. Yeah. To and the this complexity. is the point I like to make. I'd like to share this because I'm literally in this boost mode for this event. I'm going to be at my dental office on Wednesday and I'm at Dental Nachos and Dentist Job Connect today. I literally day to day can live a different life. Here's the thing. When I run Dental Notches or Dentist Job Connect, and it might be similar to your organization, I'm not making the donuts every minute of the day and managing the team and doing the vision and doing podcasts. So the thing that's hard about dentistry is the dentist is hunched over a patient making the dental donuts, and then they expect them to be a leader. Then they expect them to do marketing. Then they expect me to, it would really work out better if there were two dentists, one that did the work and one that did the vision. And obviously certain people have mastered this and they have a COO that does the business and then they do the work or they take a step back from clinical dentistry and they hire associates, what we help them at Job Connect. So I just think it's fairly impossible to wear all those hats at once well and maintain your sanity. Well, that's, yeah, I mean, that makes complete sense. I definitely just being an entrepreneur is way more than I ever thought it would be at, at okay. times too. It's very overwhelming. It's very lonely. That's been a theme too, that a lot of people, you just, you kind of, you feel isolated and alone yeah. and surrounded by people carrying all that pressure. And so, you know, I'm curious what you would recommend to a doctor that doesn't maybe have a mentor like that. That top comes up a lot with everybody so far that's been on is they have that mentor. I, I love this question. Out. Hopefully I'll add some value as someone. I don't want to brag at this moment, um, John, but I've, I'm just going to brag for this moment. I actually believe this 100%. I'll put myself up against anyone on earth, okay, about this one thing. I communicate with more dentists than any other person. I will share. We have 50,000 people in dental nachos, 20,000 people on Instagram, 5,000 in text message, 25,000 in email. I run a dental practice with nine dentists. I'm going to speak at the Bulletproof Dental Summit. So this one person standing in front of you, if you think of a lot of lines coming off me like a spider web, I am connecting with so many dentists each day, right? I don't know if I get a prize for this, but I believe this. And what I'll share with you about is what I would do is one, explore being part of a community in person and online as soon as possible. Go to see events in your town. Don't care what the topic is. Go and sit there, preferably next to an older dentist, and just get to know them. It can't all be done online. It can't. And then go and join online communities. Some may be free, like a Facebook group. 
Some may be ones that you pay for, like the Dental Success Network. That's my friend, Mark Costas. They're a sponsor of my group. And get to know people online because be, become a contributing member to a community and magic will happen. People will find you jobs. People will have your back. They'll give you their number and say, text you whenever you want. Dentists are weird, Sean. They're very caring, almost behind the scenes, right? It's like, mm-hmm. I got a D, anonymous post. I love what you said. I'm in South Dakota. I can't find a good job. You know that I'm going to get a message from someone I never heard of that goes, I'm in South Dakota. Give them my number. And I go, could you just comment on the group and not give me a, a task? They go, oh, no, I can't do that on the group. But please, here's my cell. They'll literally say, give my cell phone number to this person I've never met, as long as it's behind the scenes. So that's great in person. So become part of a community, look for mentorship. And I really believe this, invest in paid coaching as early as possible at a budget that's friendly to you. And that might be paying $100 a month for a mastermind. It doesn't mean hiring a $5,000 a month coach, but coaches hold you accountable. I worked out with a trainer this morning. Trainers hold you accountable. Coaches hold you accountable. So it'd be become a part of an in-person community, look for an online community, look for a mentor, and look to do paid coaching. Because my other line, Sean, is uh, one is when people feel taken care of, they care less about costs. I say it to my team all the time. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is when you pay, you pay attention. When you pay, you Absolutely. pay attention. Free is not going to get you there all the time. It's too much. People go, oh, look this up on YouTube. I cringe sometimes. It's great to get awareness, but real action, you got to pay. 50 bucks a month, $200. I don't know what you think about that. Feel free to disagree if you're. No, I totally agree. I mean, it's uh, there's certain questions that you can answer for free. And then there's questions where you got to look under the hood to really give you a valuable answer back. Because sometimes the generic answer is the completely wrong answer for your situation. And I'm, I'm curious, what do you what do you think is the leading driver of that? It seems like there's a maybe an apprehension to be vulnerable or to not have all the answers or to look scared. I mean, I've, I've talked to dental students that graduated and told me like, I'm scared to death. I don't know what I'm doing, but you would well, never sadly, know. You, know. you know, I have a four-year-old that's about to turn five and my best friend was here this weekend and we really applauded that she went to camp this summer and she said she wasn't going to try sports and we kind of bribed her. She tried sports and it was great, right? It's great. Parenting bribes and threats. It's all leadership rewards <laughs> and, and consequences. And I said, oh, tell my friend what you loved about camp. And I, I said, a layup, tell her what sports. And she goes, you tell him, dad, right? Because in that moment, I just had made her feel like she was going to say something wrong. But she's four, right? These dental students are 24. And dental school is so toxic that they just make you believe if you share, you're going to be wrong. It's, it's like there's a really good movie called Bad Mom's Christmas. And I love this movie, right? And it's Mila Kunis and the older mom. And, and the whole theory is the mom's always like, passed down judgment and your Christmas is never good enough. And finally say, time out, this should stop. And that's what I hope I'm doing for dentistry because it's judgment, it's vulnerability. And then I want to share this honestly. It's dentists being too cheap about what's important. They're they're wildly dysfunctional about how they spend money. I'll say to somebody, it's not even, I want anyone, I've listened to a good podcast and I said, if you're a good leader, get people to make good decisions even though it has nothing to do with you, right? So I'll example. Hey, I think you really should invest in paid coaching as a practice owner. I think it's reasonable to pay $1,000 a month for that. Don't do it with me. Do it with someone else, right? I I don't even really offer that service. And I would love for people to do more. They go, Paul, I can't afford that, right? And then I go, I bring up Instagram. I go, was this you in Cancun, Mexico last week? Because I don't think, how did you afford that? So I kind of also say to Dennis, they're dysfunctional 
They don't want to ask for help. They don't spend money in what I consider to be fundamentally healthy ways all the time. And it creates a dissatisfaction with your career. Creates low. I mean, Gary Vee talks all the time. He has a friend running a business for three million bucks. They try to grow it to ten million bucks, and now they're miserable. It has nothing to do with always making more money. Sometimes it's just being having better morale. How, how to figure out how to communicate with your team in a way where they don't think you're a jerk, and you don't think that they're never paying attention to you. So that would be my best input on that. Well, it's it's a great answer, and you know we've we definitely have talked offline about our approach to marketing being story based and story driven, yeah. and just what that does to revolutionize a practice because a lot of doctors are sour on practice marketing and rightfully so. I mean, the scarlet letter is earned in, in terms of the dental marketing vertical overall, you know, doesn't produce a lot of results, but charges very, very high fees for, for the work. So, um, you know, I, I have one final question for you. I know sure. we're, we're coming up on the half hour, but I always ask everybody, no. I, I know that you and I are both Gary Vialics, but what books are you reading or what are the, what are the books you would recommend to somebody uh, listening? The that absolute best book that I've listened to, you know, I go back here, put stuff in your ear, right? I'm listening to podcasts. I'm listening to YouTube videos. Um, I'm always, almost always consume entrepreneurs on fire. The one, the one book that I really recommend is worth the investment to totally reframe how you think about this word is to sell as human by Daniel Pink. So to sell as human by Daniel Pink, I, so we have, our philosophy at Dental Nachos, Dennis Job Connect, and Pennington Dental Associates is this. Number one, does it help? Yes or no? The answer is yes. Let's keep going. If the answer is no, forget about it. So I'll use this for dentists because does dental implant overdentures help people chew and smile with confidence? Everyone says say yes. Yes, it does, right? Makes them eat the foods they want to eat and have, okay, good. You, you, you've determined that it helps. Number two, be as proud and loud about sharing and selling that help as possible. And then number three, have as much fun with your team along the way. So what I think dentists have a real problem with is selling, right? I say, I, I go to my lectures, hey, who here doesn't like the word sell and doesn't think dentists should sell? And right, half the hands go up, right? Oh, I don't want to sell. I'm a doctor. Meanwhile, that's the whole thing. Daniel Pink talks about this. You know, doctors, Sean, physicians have to try to convince people to do things that will save their life, like a heart stent, it costs them $0 and they don't want to do it. The concept that it's about money to make people move forward is just erroneous. They're Medicaid that pays for these heart stents and they're standing over someone's bed being like, yo, if you don't get this heart stent, you're probably not going to live much longer. And they look up and go, not for me, right? So maybe that reframes for dentists, a filling versus a crown, but I always say, do you want to connect with people and motivate them to move forward? Do you want to connect with people? And they say, yes. I go, well, that's selling. So to sell is human by Daniel Pink is one of like, I wish every dental student listened to it. I wish everybody who does anything with anything related to sales, which is like 96% of the people on earth. So that would be my best recommendation. Yeah, that's that's a good one. I don't think I've read that one. I'll have to, to get a copy of it. He's got a podcast too, the Pink Cast. He's really, he's a, he's a sharp guy. The pink cast. I'll put I'll put links in the show description for that. Sure. Well, Doc, I, I appreciate you hopping in. I try to keep these, with, you know, within that awesome. twenty to thirty minute range. But uh, is there anything else? Any parting words, parting advice, and, and let people know too how to get a hold of you. Uh, I'm sure everybody listening knows that 
of Nacho's existence, but maybe how to, to delve in more into these all this different stuff that you've talked about. Sure. Today. Well, thanks for this time. And I always like to share this, whether it's at the end of an eight hour lecture or an eight, eight, 18 minute podcast. And hopefully, you know, I've shared some value where I feel OK asking for this. You know, I say give help, get help, ask for help in a very poignant and sad way. One of the dentists who was at my event a few years ago and sponsored dental students died by suicide at the beginning of this year. I don't pretend in any way to be a mental health expert or professional, but I do want to inspire people to give help when you can, ask for help when you need it, get help when you need it. I mean, I would say the more we share, the more we care, the better dentisting world we can build together. We can kind of end the dental student hunger games and create a better world for all of us. And that anyone attached to dentistry, anyone wants to reach out to me for any way, they can do so at dentalnachos.com or dentistjobconnect.com. I would love to hear from any of your listeners. Well, I appreciate it and, and couldn't agree more. I mean, that's, that's kind of been a recurring theme with everybody that's been on so far is even the most successful people that you see have all had those low points. And just to keep in mind, somebody listening now that's in a low point, it's transitory. It's not, it's not final. You're yeah, moving re through reach it. out to me, reach out to someone, look to get, have someone have your back. We should do more of that on earth in general, but especially in our dental world. And I appreciate and, letting you share. And dentistry really is, it's big and it's little as everybody knows, but to anybody listening, if you do feel alone or in a tough spot, there's more people that care than you think. And everybody's a couple clicks away. Just, you know, feel yeah. free to reach out, whatever the issue may be. Well, Doc, thank you so much for being on. Hopefully we'll get to do more of these in the future. Yeah. And uh, just, you know, check out Dental Launchers on Facebook. Again, this is uh, Paul Goodman. I'm Sean Amel. Thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of Origins.